hello and welcome to the show. Today, I want to talk to you about another famous actress with Latin American or Spanish roots, and that is Rita Hayworth. And I'm pretty sure that most of you know her because she's one of the famous faces of old Hollywood. Rita Hayworth was actually born as Margarita Carmen Cancino in Brooklyn, New York on the 17th of October in 1918. So Rita Hayworth has been born into a family of dancers and performers. Her mother, Volga Hayworth, was of Irish and English descent and had actually performed with the Siegfeld Follies. And her paternal grandfather, Antonio Cancino, had a world-famous dancing school in Madrid, Spain, and was a renowned classical Spanish dancer. He popularized the bolero, a style of dance, during his time. And he actually was the one who started giving Margarita dancing lessons. Actually, she never was a big fan of it. And she admitted later, I didn't like it very much, but I didn't have the courage to tell my father. So I began taking the lessons. Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. That was my girlhood. But the rehearsing did work, though. She became really good at dancing, and before her fifth birthday, she was already on the stage of the Winter Garden Theatre as one of the four casinos. And at the age of eight, she got her first movie role in a short film from Warner Brothers, which was called La Fiesta. In 1927, the casinos relocated to Hollywood because Margarita's father, Eduardo, believed that dancing could become a thing in the movies, and he set up his own dancing school in Hollywood where eventually he would teach later stars such as Jean Harlow. When Margarita was 13 years old, Eduardo and she partnered in the dancing duo The Dancing Cancinos. And Rita's appearance was changed to give her a more mature look because she was only 13. So her hair was dyed from brown to black. And actually, at 13 years old, Margarita was way too young to work in bars and nightclubs and all those places where dancing duos would have been a thing. So her father took her across the border to Mexico and they performed in Tijuana. There they had no legal worries and it was a popular tourist spot for the people from LA. And if you were as much into the OC California as I was, you know what happens in Tijuana. <laughs> so as you can imagine, working from age 13 onwards, Margarita never graduated from high school but did complete the ninth grade. In addition to her dancing routine, she did some movie bit parts. For example, in the movie In Caliente with Dolores del Rio, which is quite striking as Dolores del Rio would go on to have a relationship with Orson Welles, who would, after the breakup, marry Rita Hayworth, who was called the next Dolores del Rio. So, funny coincidence. At one of the nightclubs, she performed a routine with her father at Winfield Sheehan, the head of Fox Films, saw her and he was absolutely enthralled by her performance. So he ordered a screen test for her and hired her with a six-month contract. And he changed her name from Margarita Cancino to Rita Cancino. At Fox, Rita did only small roles and played mostly exotic foreigner. Sheehan's plan actually was to make her the next Dolores del Rio, the foreign beauty with elegance and allure. So he went to work to build up her image. So this was like a usual routine that actresses with a lot of potential were built up over a longer time. They were put in smaller parts and then bigger parts, seeing what kind of part the audience responded the best to. So this was really like trying them out, what would fit their image best and what the audience likes. So he started to work on that. So he gave her big parts and bigger parts. 
These plans were crossed, though, when Fox merged into 20th Century Fox, because Daryl Sennack did not see anything special in Rita Hayworth and did not renew her contract. And in comes Edward C. Judson. He was a salesman and promoter, and he saw the potential of Rita Hayworth. So he started to promote her and got her freelance work with some of the studios. And one of the studios was Columbia. And when Columbia studio had Harry Cohn saw Rita Hayworth, he signed her to a seven-year contract. Side note on that, I'm still so fascinated by the studio system and it's working because it's such a micro system. Everything works together and has its own way of working because seven years is a long time. So you wouldn't sign a seven-year deal with your current employer. Probably not. But back then, they knew they needed the time to build the star up and cash in on them. If they only have like two years contract, they build them up and they leave to work with another studio. The other studio benefits from it. So it was good business acumen. And to me, it's just fascinating that it did that. And it was just like common practice. So back to Rita. At Columbia, two changes happened to Rita Hayworth. Cohn wanted her not to be typecast as the exotic and the foreigner because then the roles would be very limited and her potential probably wouldn't be used to the full extent. So she had to change her name and she changed it to her mother's maiden name, Hayworth. And so she became the Hollywood star Rita Hayworth. And in order to make her appear more American and less Spanish or Latin American, Rita Hayworth changed her hair color from black to ginger red. And she even had electrolysis to raise her hairline and change the form of her forehead. So if you see pictures of her before the transformation and after, you see that there's a striking difference between the two. And at Columbia, afterwards, the same strategy was implemented as with Fox. She got minor roles and B-movie roles to build her up, to get her some publicity and to get the audience getting to know her and warming up to her. And when she finally partnered with Fred Astaire in the musical You'll Never Get Rich, she and the movie were a full success. So much so that the two were paired again the following year. Peter Levinson, the biographer of Fred Astaire, wrote of the pair that they were absolute magnetism on the screen. And actually, although Fred Astaire has most often been paired with Ginger Rogers, he liked Rita Hayworth better as a dancing partner. Her race to stardom accelerated in August 1941, when Rita Hayworth posed for a photo for the magazine Life in a negligee with a black lace bodice. This picture made Hayworth one of the top two pinup girls of the World War II years. The other one was Betty Crable. This very night dress with the black bodice actually was sold in 2002 for the sum of $26,888. That is a pretty steep price for a negligee. In 1944, one of Hayworth's most notable films was released. It was the Technicolor musical Cover Girl. This movie made her the first of only six women to dance on screen with Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire. And she was such a gifted dance and ballet and tap dance, ballroom dancing and Spanish routines that her talent was shown in basically every movie. She was dancing through Hollywood. The next film was film noir Gilda, which is probably her most famous movie. And it was released in 1946. And it also showed her performing. The most notable one in that movie is her one-glove strip to the song Put the Flame on Mame. And this movie, this scene, made her the ultimate femme fatale of the day. 
funny fact. When Gilda was released, the troops at the Bikini Atoll testing the next atomic bomb would attach a picture of her to the bomb, paying homage to her and her bombshell status. Hayworth actually was deeply offended, but Studio Hatchon Cohn did not let her intervene or give a press conference in order to not seem unpatriotic. So the fourth atomic bomb ever had a photograph of Rita Hayworth on it, cut from Esquire magazine, and above it one could read the stenciled name Gilda. So that I did not know, and I find it's like such trivial knowledge which we have here, it's awesome. So after Gilda, Hayworth made a movie with husband Orson Welles. It was The Lady from Shanghai. It was critically a success, was praised, but it was a box office failure. And it was probably a box office failure because Hayworth had cut her hair short and had bleached it platinum blonde. The head of Columbia, of course, was furious. He had not been notified of the change and he did not like it. I mean, he put a lot of money in building her image up as like this vamp, this femme fatale with like the red hair and like with the suggestive dancing and with like this allure of like getting every man and then she's just like blonde and doing some other things. So I can totally get him. In the aftermath, Hayworth set up her own production company, the Beckworth Corporation, which from then on teamed with Columbia to produce the Hayworth movies. And Rita Hayworth would receive a percentage of the profits on all the movies, which was really good money seeing that the first collaboration it did, which was The Loves of Carmen, was Columbia's biggest moneymaker that very year. But after that movie, her career started to get stuck because of her private affairs. Columbia put her on several suspensions when, for example, she failed to turn up for work for an affair in Trinidad because she honeymooned. And then she failed to report because she detested the script. Later, Hayworth sued Columbia to be released from a contract. But Cohn and Hayward had their respective reasons to resent the other. Hayworth felt owned and constricted by Columbia and by Cohn especially, while Cohn saw his heavy investments in his A-list bombshell fall apart, especially because of her affair and marriage with Ali Khan, while she was still legally married to Orson Welles. Which brings us to Rita Hayworth's private and love life. So let's shine a line on that. There is a tragic undercurrent. Rita Hayworth had actually suffered abuse, sexual abuse from her father. And he was the one she was touring with, with whom she went to Tijuana. Rita Hayworth was actually a very shy person. And of course, she had troubles because of her childhood abuse. That's why there was a stark contrast between her public Gilda image of the femme fatale and the real Rita Hayworth. And in 1941, she said, Men go to bed with Gilda, but they wake up with me. Rita Hayworth was actually married five times and she had multiple affairs. The most notable affair probably was with Glenn Ford, with whom she filmed Gilda in 1945. They had a long-term on-and-off relationship, which started during the filming of that movie. And apparently she got pregnant at one point by Glenn Ford and got an abortion. And in 1960, they moved in next to each other and continued a relationship for more than two decades. You know, living next to each other and just, you know, having a good time, which I think is just adorable. Then there is Edward Charles Judson. I already mentioned that name. That was the promoter who took her on when Fox let her go because he saw her potential. He was twice her age and a very savvy and mean businessman. He actually took 
all the money she made during the time. And when they divorced, Rita Hayworth was actually penniless and had to move in with a friend of hers. She didn't even have something to eat back then. Her second husband was Orson Welles. The two married in 1943 before a civil church with just Joseph Cotton as best man and no party and no celebration afterwards. They had a daughter, which was called Rebecca, and they divorced after four years of marriage. Because Orson Welles did not like to be married, he didn't want to be tied down, he wanted to be free, and he actually said so to her. So, they divorced. And we remember Orson Welles and Loris del Rio. Del Rio was his true love. So, in comes husband number three. The following year, after divorcing Orson Welles, Hayworth married Prince Ali Khan. As she had already been established as a big star, the marriage received great press coverage. But also backlash, because during the early days of their relationship, she was still legally married to Orson Welles. On the one side, Hayworth was really eager to establish a life away from Hollywood. But she found it really hard to integrate with Ali Khan's flamboyant lifestyle and the duties that came with the role because Ali Khan was the leader of a Muslim religious faith and community. And also the Khan family was heavily invested in horse racing, for example, but Hayworth had no interest in horses either. Additionally, Ali Khan was known as a playboy, and apparently, three years into the marriage, he was seen dancing with Joan Fontaine at the very nightclub he had gotten to know Hayworth. Hayworth moved to Nevada when she got news about that to gain residency, as women could divorce their husbands in Reno, Nevada. She did file for divorce and it was eventually granted. Nevertheless, a custody fight erupted because Jasmine, their only daughter, was supposed to be raised a Muslim when it came to her father and a Christian when it came to her mother. Eventually, Jasmine grew up with Rita Hayworth in America. The next husband was Dick Himes. Dick Himes was a singer of Argentinian descent with actually no proof of American citizenship. This marriage was a total failure from start to finish. In the beginning, when Rita Hayworth showed up at his shows, the audiences grew larger, so he got dependent on her. And also he was in bad financial shape with unpaid back taxes to the IRS and unpaid child support to his two ex-wives. On top of that, the government wanted to deport him because he could not prove American citizenship. So, Himes wanted Hayworth, the national icon, to put in a good word for him. And her, assuming responsibility for his citizenship, formed a bond between the two that actually led to marriage. So, to make a long story short, Himes bled Hayworth dry. She basically had no money left with paying all of his debts, and not receiving child support from neither Ali Khan nor Orson Welles. At the end of the marriage, when Himes eventually struck Hayworth in the face in public, she packed her bags and left for good. Husband number five. Her final marriage was to film producer James Hill. This marriage also ended in divorce, citing extreme mental cruelty on Hill's side. Interestingly, Charlton Heston, who... I have strong opinions about, but that is not the place for it. He has written in his memoir about one night that he met Hayworth and Hill for dinner. And he wrote, it was a marital massacre. She was reduced by him to a helpless flood of tears, her face buried in her hands. So this marriage was really unhappy. 
to make matters worse, Rita Hayworth actually was addicted to alcohol to cope with the stresses of the business and also her private life, the marriages and the abuse, which was certainly still a trauma she had not recovered from. She would fly into rages or would break the furniture, as it was reported from several sources, like Orson Welles or also her daughter. In 1976, Hayworth was removed actually from a flight because she got into a fight with the flight attendants. She would slowly start to forget her lines and not be able to continue acting. And everybody thought it was alcoholic dementia, that she just forgot lines and that the alcohol, you know, got to her brain. And she did not only not remember her lines, she looked way older than she was because of the alcohol, because of the stresses, because of the immense pressure that she felt. What was diagnosed only way later in her life was that it wasn't alcoholic dementia she suffered from, but Alzheimer's. And that's when Rita Hayworth became the first celebrity face of Alzheimer's. And she did help destigmatize the disease. For the remainder of her life, she lived in an apartment next to her daughter in Manhattan, and Jasmine cared for her. Rita Hayworth died at the age of 68 from complications from the disease. So I think... This woman, like Rita Hayworth, is really phenomenal. She looked great. She had great acting abilities. She danced like a goddess. I'm really sad about the trajectory of her life when it comes to her love life, when it comes to her health, when it comes to her finances, because everything kind of fell apart. And to me, that is just a reminder to work on dramas, to be quite honest, because I think that was the underlying current that made it really hard for her to find fulfillment, to find love, to find contentment. And that is just sad. Say, work on your traumas. Try to figure out why you're doing things, why patterns are repeating. And, you know, make sure that your life turns out the way you want it to and that you can build your dream life. I hope you learned something about Rita Hayworth, uh, another wonderful actress of old Hollywood. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye.